We all have heard horror stories of how a remodel nearly tore a couple apart, as well as how impactful our environment can be on our state of well-being. Remodels don't have to end in divorce, and we can reflect our true selves in our environment with the right approach. Welcome to Psychotecture. My name is Rachel Melvald, and I'm a psychotherapist and designer. Psychotecture was developed as a methodological approach to ease issues that come up in design challenges, as well as the philosophy on how our environment can reflect our highest selves. Each week, I will interview an expert in the field of design and psychology to shed light on design challenges. I will also have a special series called The Psychotech is In, where I can offer help to those in design intervention need. Welcome to The Psychotech is In. We are moving into our segment of meeting the experts and my go-tos in the field of architecture and design and real estate. And it wouldn't be a full picture if I didn't have an interview with a really esteemed realtor named Marcy Roth, who is working with Frederick Eklund with Million Dollar Listings. Without further ado, let's introduce Marcy Roth. How are you? I'm good. And thank you for the introduction. I'm doing great. Great. So as we are in an interesting time in real estate, I would love our viewers to just get maybe just a primer as you know, working with psychotecture, how I'm working with more of the challenging emotional dynamics around designs and rebuilds and remodels, as well as finding a first home and real estate or any home for that matter, and how much of a anxiety provoking and stressful experience that can be. So my role in that is to support the mediation in that. I've seen a lot of couples who, and the reason I started my work was because I would find the couples that I was seeing in therapy, all their stuff started coming out with a potential real estate buy and the high stakes of, are they going to get the home? Are they not? And, and so I just would love to hear from you just to start off how you experience the emotional life of real estate. <laughs> well, the whole thing, yeah. I mean, real estate, it's a very emotional purchase on the residential side. It's usually someone's largest investment, financial asset, and it's also the place that they live. So it's their home. So those two things combined can make it very stressful and very personal. Right. So just the sheer nature, this is your home where you actually have to survive and live and lay your head at night, as well as the financial investment that is at stake. You're dealing with a very, I mean, aside from, I don't know, working with as a doctor and, and working in surgery and high medical stakes situations, this is a pretty high stakes situation because it's such a long-term investment. It is. And it's, you know, on both sides, you know, when you're selling a home, maybe it's a home you've raised your children in, or you've lived a long time. And there's usually a major emotional attachment to that, you know, for a variety of reasons, or just even living there for a while, no children, you know, it's your home, it's your grounding, it's your base for everything. And then when you're buying, it's the same thing. You're looking at a place and trying to envision your life and what it will be. And again, to be your literally home base. And, you know, the transactions usually happen relatively quickly. There's a lot of intense pressure to make a lot of decisions and review a lot of information in a short period of time, as well as getting loans approved and having your whole world analyzed to get approved for a loan. So it can be 
rather invasive and just, you know, an intense process. Yeah, it is an intense process. That's for sure. And I don't know if you can be anonymous, but can you give us like a scenario that happens when you've experienced a client or a couple or how how they've become very distressed in the situation and how you manage that? Sure. I mean, sometimes, you know, like there's a couple, I mean, there's been various, but you know, I had a couple who sometimes you're also selling a property and buying one at the same time. So that, you know, is like a double duty, but you know, sometimes you have a couple, a lot of times, whether they've been married a year or 20 years, they're often not completely on the same page with priorities and all that. So, you know, I've had situations where, for example, we're negotiating and putting something in and the wife pulls me aside and says, you know, we'll do whatever it takes, you know, we'll offer X, Y, and Z. You do exactly what they want. And then the husband later on questions it (laughs) and takes it out on you as the agent, even though you were following orders and understanding that they were both on the same page, you know, and then you sort of become a, I delve into your world of, you know, trying to be Switzerland, trying to appease both sides and trying to keep the deal on track and trying to keep it legal and staying within the boundaries of the contract. And I also, just knowing you personally and professionally, you have a temperament that I find that can really handle those types of situations in that you're not reactive. You have a very steady way about you that can kind of manage. I mean, when pushed to the edge, we're all, we all can react, but you have, I'd say a great temperament for the work. I can, yeah. I mean, you know, for me, it's a business, but you know, it becomes personal. I do tend to form relationships with a lot of my clients, which I don't know, says something I become lifelong friends with a lot of people or I stay in touch you know, occasionally we may not see eye to eye to the end, but yeah, I really try to keep on the business and as we're doing the transaction, you know, I really uphold the, it's my fiduciary responsibility to protect my clients. So I really do try to stay calm, cool, but yeah, you know, every once in a while I get pushed to the limits, whether it's by the client or by another agent, but I try my best to keep it cool, even if I'm sweating underneath. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah, I guess that's being professional, right? But with that said, you know, I talked to interior designers and architects and how we can kind of set some ground rules in the beginning, right? Where when there's two people involved, like a couple and the wife, let's say, is calling the shots and then later the husband becomes resentful, right? Mm -hmm. How to kind of, from the get-go, really get, some open communication, I guess you'd say, and some clarity around that? It's a tough one. I mean, I try to, you know, a lot of times, you know, the world of text, like they'll both be texting you one off. I try to have communication. I mean, yeah, sometimes one will say, well, he's really busy, just talk to me. But I try to, especially the asset, at least have conversations with both of them on the phone or, you know, non-COVID times in person or by text. And, you know, at some point you have to just trust their relationship that they're talking to. I mean, I can't force them both to be on call, but I try to, at the beginning, at least have them both present and make sure that we're on the same page and just down to tactical things, like make sure they're both CC'd on things. And I do my best, you know, like I said, I can't get into the middle of their relationship, but I try to toe the line so that those things don't happen, which, you know, can 
come back to bite me, even though it was completely a relationship dynamic at times. So I just try to do my best to keep everything going. And usually you find too that emotions subside. I think sometimes there's situations where one significant other maybe makes a decision while we're on the phone. And maybe the fact that that person, I mean, they both have to sign everything. So that's usually one telltale sign, but that doesn't matter. But sometimes emotions are fleeting and then people calm down. I think sometimes it's when they're left out of a conversation. But ultimately, from a real estate perspective, you know, everything gets signed by everybody. So I just try to make sure that I communicate because as much as, you know, both people are signing, they may not really be, they may think the other party is looking at things closely and not really paying attention. So I just, you know, aside from the signing, I just try to make sure that communicating the same information to all parties that are involved in the transaction. Yeah. So being transparent, communicating to all parties, hoping that you expressing to them in the get-go how you would like to be on the same page, but what you can't control is how they might shift throughout that and those dynamics. That's a good segue into how you do enter into so, so many various relationship dynamics, whether it's a new couple, a first house, marriage, that rite of passage, or like you're saying, a divorce or separation. And how does that work for you? Well, again, I try, you know, we are like psychologists. So we, you know, I try to read people and I communicate even within a couple where they're getting along, but a couple they're not, I try to communicate or try to work with each person as I see their responsive. So that becomes even more important when you're dealing with two parties that maybe aren't getting along. So I try as best to be Switzerland And I try to get, again, especially, you know, if both are involved with me, I make sure to talk to each person for sure. Like I was saying, sometimes I rely on maybe the wife or husband to communicate back to the other if they say they will. But in this case, I make sure that I'm constantly in communication with both parties and that both parties are feeling like they're getting heard. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking out equally for both parties because I do have, aside from a fiduciary responsibility, I mean, just as a professional, I have a responsibility to make sure that both parties are feeling that they're getting heard and that their interests are being protected. Right. So in a way, as a designer, interior designer, architect, you're kind of in a parenting mode in some ways, right? You're protecting their interests. You're trying to stay neutral. You're staying fair to each party, like as if they were two children in some ways. I mean, I guess that's an extreme analogy, but what you're holding you know, you're kind of holding this container for all of it, right? Yeah. I'm getting their trust. You know, you're not going to get anyone to do anything or listen to you if they don't trust you. So that's the precursor. that's why I was saying it's important to communicate with each person as they like to be communicated and gain their trust first and foremost, so that they understand that you have the expertise, that you've got their back and that you're going to be there every step of the way. And you're going to make sure that no balls in the air dropped and that both parties are, you know, walk away with what they're supposed to walk away with. Yeah. To walk away with either a home that they're happy about or to be able to make the sale. Cause you do both ends, right? You represent the buyer and the seller. Yeah. On different transactions. I mean, on occasion I represent both. That's a whole other conversation, but yeah, I work with both buyers and sellers and both have equal stress. They're different stresses, of course, but and how do you find that to be different in terms of the emotional sellers and buyers? Yeah. 
sort of what I was mentioning, our sellers, you know, it, depending on what type of property is, you know, it could be a home where they've raised their children. It could be a property they've inherited from their parents who have passed. It could be an investment where it's just purely financial. But oftentimes with a seller, they always often see their property as more valuable. There's intrinsic value, you know, so there, there are all those factors at stake. You know, they know every little detail that's gone into it that may be in their eyes better than the house down the street or the other one on the market. So there's all that kind of emotional and personal attachment and knowledge. It depends on that. And then, of course, with the parents, if it's a parental home, you know, there's that kind of emotional. And then when you're buying, you know, you're putting out a lot of money. Like I said, if you're getting a loan, you know, that's a pretty invasive process where they're really assessing everything you have. You're trying to envision, you know, you go to all these properties and envision what's right for you or your family or whomever you're going to be living with. You're sometimes in this market competing against other people. So, you know, it becomes a competition of who's the best for property you're trying to buy. So there's all kinds of emotions attached. In certain price points, it's definitely a seller's market. So if you're dealing with buyers at that end, it's that whole added level of stress where if they see something, they have to respond. At higher price points, it's, you know, there's different stresses, but all in all, you know, often, again, it can be your largest financial purchase. You want to make sure you're paying, you're not paying too much. You want to make sure that the property is what you think it is. And so it's, it's that kind of stress. Yeah, it is that kind of stress. And sometimes we would say that's an adaptive stress, right? It's not necessarily abnormal to feel stressed and have some anxiety that's healthy to be activated around such an important choice. I know how (laughs) perfectionistic I am even just creating a website. So that anxiety is adaptive on some level. I'll give you a scenario. When I was working with a couple, she really was the one in the couple to push for getting a new house. They had moved from New York. She felt kind of missing her East Coast community. And she thought, well, maybe a home. I can focus on getting a home. And this is what LA is maybe more like because it was very different in New York. It was very easy in the city to connect. And so what came up is she was pushing the papers the whole time. He was busy, right? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the nature of their relationship was him being a busy agent. She was more therapist, stay at home. And the resentment that just kept building at getting the loan doc signed, sending them over to him because he did have to sign them. And, you know, there's so much, there's so much paperwork and there's so much, you know, checking in with the loan docs and getting the approval. And it brought out a lot of stress in her feeling like he was not participating, right? Right. That too, like if if the husband's thinking she's reviewing everything and then she doesn't review everything the way he thinks it should have been reviewed or she misses something, then it becomes her fault. Right. When he gave her that, and it's almost like when I work with couples and they're doing their budget, one person's doing the budget, but the other person complains, then you say, well, then be a part of it. And we didn't even touch on, so there's that whole piece. And then when this is all done, moving is one of the most stressful activities they say in someone's life. So that's right. Good point. You've just gone through this 45-day or 30-day process, and then now you actually have to pack up your stuff and either move or move out. And that is a whole other stress. 
Yeah, that is really stressful. And some people, obviously, too, I had a client where she left her, she did have a divorce, but her, I guess her 30-year home in, in the suburbs of New York. And the grief around leaving that behind, whether you're leaving a house that you've had so many memories and times in. And I know I always grieve when I move. I always kind of have this moment of, okay, this is a chapter that's over. And so it's true. You're dealing with that whole letting go, which who knows how that kind of primes people to be more reactive, right? Because unconsciously, people are really going through an emotional process that they might not even be conscious of. Exactly. Yeah. And can project that onto you. For sure. Yes. In the transaction, right? Or complaining about what, you know, the bathroom knobs look like and they didn't expect that or whatever. So I think it's helpful to kind of see what's really operating underneath sometimes, like you're saying. Yeah. And that's why it's important to hold their hands and point things out that you, like I've learned through some transactions with things afterwards, they seem obvious to me as the agent. So I'm learning like the next time, like there's certain things like that always come up as issues. They're just sort of regarding fireplaces or appliance conditions and what's included and what's not. And when you show up to closing and if there's so many things. So I just, you try as an agent to point these things out. For example, when a property staged, and it's new. Sometimes they even stage the bathroom mirrors and then the buyer shows up, moves in and there's no mirrors in the bathroom, you know, so, <laughs> you know, and these are little things, but these things, like we said, when people are changing, they're moving in, they suddenly become major problems. Well, it's very dysregulating and that's happening in the, in the escrow time, right? Where is that when the contingencies are still in place? So there's a period where contingencies, which can include loan and appraisal, but what we're talking about is physical, where they get all the inspection done and all of that, the condition, but then you do a walkthrough, which is before closing, after all the contingencies are removed. But then what I'm talking about is the sellers, you know, the staging gets removed, the sellers, maybe they're not living there, they've moved their stuff out and something was removed. Like you thought the chandeliers were staying that were excluded, or you thought the mirrors were staying, but those were actually stagers and things like that. These are just things, but there's all kinds of things that questions that come up where it's better as an agent, if you can, as best you can anticipate any possible of those types of issues before the closing and get those questions answered. We recently had that with window coverings where I showed up for the seller. They were doing some final repairs and they were moving out of the country and I showed up and the window coverings had been taken down and this was the trucks already. So I called my assistant and she had said, yeah, that they're not included. So I said, okay. So, well, it turns out they were, she had mistaken on the contract. So they were meant to be left. And the sellers also, ironically, they had been very OCD on the contract. So I figured if they removed them, they had, you know, cause I had about five deals going on at the same point, same time. So anyways, I had done my best. I'd even asked, but it turns out they were meant to be left. So that was an issue. We got it resolved, but, you know, we're sort of couple fold where one, you know, you have this perception of the client, you know, they asked so many other detailed questions. So I figured they had excluded the window coverings, but in fact they hadn't. And then the buyer was upset. And so 
we got it resolved. But these are things, I mean, you know, you're on a $6 million house and everyone's getting upset over the window coverings. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's what it really actually comes down to. Any kind of interior design project management job I've done, it came down to like a restoration hardware light bulb that didn't come in the package. No, I mean, this was a million dollar house. We got through all this stuff, you know, and it wasn't easy. And then these window coverings, which weren't even that great, but. (laughs) (laughs) It became symbolic, Marcy. It was symbolic. It was. And actually, you're right. It was because it was linked to some other stuff, but it was so emotional. And it was just, it was just, we'd gotten so far. And it came down to these curtains that aren't even really of design worthiness, but it comes down to that. And I think that that can be irritating and frustrating, yet it's something you have to get through. You know, you can't leave any stone unturned, it sounds like. And So you're really having to pay attention to detail. And I think a lot of maybe what we can talk about, because I'm hoping this can be more of an ongoing conversation. I feel like you realtors need therapy. It's stressful for you, you know, what you have to manage. It is. I try to create boundaries, but it's a 24 seven business. And then I have a family, you know, and I try, I'm trying to get better about putting my phone away for the members of my family, but it's hard. So it's, and they get resentful, my husband and my little one. So, you know, and for example, right now it's holidays and I couldn't be busier. I mean, I'm grateful on the one hand, but on the other hand, it's wearing on the personal life. Yeah. Because even Hanukkah, it's when the night falls and you're still fielding all these calls and managing these huge high number sales. And so it is boundaries and how to kind of keep those boundaries so you don't get resentful. And it's hard. I think like in any intensive, when you're good at something and you have like, whether you're dealing with a multi-million dollar movie, right. Or, or a house, these stakes get higher. And so I appreciate you being so candid and being able to support our listeners and me and understanding and helping us understand the dynamics of real estate and how we can improve these situations for both the buyer and the seller and the realtor. So because we're going to end now, how would somebody get in touch with you? We're going to provide your information. Your contact information will be best found where? Well, it's on my I guess Instagram or my website, but it's Marcy at MarcyRoth.com. But if you go to Marcy Roth dot com. I'm getting that website redone, but it'll give my information. And I'm on, like I said, on Eklund's team at Douglas Elliman. We're pretty easy to find, but. Okay. Well, we'll be providing your information at the end of this podcast. And I just want to thank you so much. I so appreciate your easygoing nature. And I always feel more relaxed when you're talking about real estate. So I don't know, you must be having some internal anxiety underneath because you you, you are very calming uh, to talk to. And I look forward to talking about some more really compelling topics in the field of real estate and the psychology behind it. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a great conversation. I look forward to more. Yes, me too. Thank you so much, Marcy. And try and have a great holiday.
This is Psychotecture by Rachel Malvald with coaching, consultation, and psychotherapy offered virtually and in home throughout the Los Angeles greater area and nationally. We work to ease design challenges to create transformative habitats. Thank you, and we look forward to the next episode and your questions, so don't forget to subscribe.